Support for Healthcare Americana comes from Freedom HealthWorks. With Freedom HealthWorks, physicians, employers, and patients can thrive in direct care. Visit FreedomHealthWorks.com to start your journey into direct care today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Healthcare Americana, the podcast exploring all the great innovations and innovators in direct care and all the other people out there to challenge the status quo in healthcare. I am your host, Christopher Habig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. Today, we're joined by Dr. Kristen Dickerson, founder and CEO of Green Imaging. Dr. Dickerson, thanks for taking time to join us today. Thanks for having me, Christopher. Glad to be here. Now, you have an interesting background. I always try to set the table and, and, and you know, let, let, let our guests establish uh, credibility, uh, so to speak. But your resume and your name kind of speaks for itself in this industry and, and others and outliers. But you're a radiologist by training, by background, correct? Correct. All right. And then you came out and then you saw some problems in radiology and you came out and did something completely different. Again, picking up the theme of challenging the status quo. Uh, what was it that you saw all over your, uh, you know, 25 year of uh, 25 year career? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I had practiced in the Texas Medical Center um, and with multi-specialty groups uh, for most of my career. And about 10 years ago, we started seeing in our community that fact that there were not affordable cash pay options for um, patients as deductibles were climbing and patients were essentially even patients with insurance were essentially becoming cash pay patients because they weren't likely to meet that deductible. Mm -hmm. And um, additionally, we had 21% uninsured here in Houston. And so the easy way for a radiologist to solve that problem is to open an imaging center. And, you know, my pro forma show that was going to be, you know, I was going into debt for three or $4 million to do that properly. And I, Travelocity and some other similar models were starting to emerge um, in other markets. And I got the idea, I was a traditional radiologist reading for imaging centers around town that were mostly out of network because the in-network rates were low, um, you know, they were at half capacity. And I got the idea to buy the extra time on their tables rather than open another brick and mortar imaging center, buy the extra time on their tables at a discount and pass that along to cash pay patients. And so the way it typically happens in imaging, the way imaging is typically billed um, in the outpatient, you know, independent center is that an imaging center contracts with a radiologist and basically buys the interpretation and then bills globally, bills for both the interpretation and the scan. I kind of threw that upside down and we bought the scan from the imaging center, did the interpretation and billed globally. And so that was the beginning of green imaging. But I had been a self-funded employer when I was president of a 50-doctor multi-specialty group, and I understood incentivizing employees to go to lower site cost sites of care. And so we had incentivized our, we had a Blue Cross Blue Shield self-funded healthcare plan, but we incentivized our employees to go outside of that and use our services and those of some strategic partners to hold down our cost in the plan. And, um, and it was very successful. Um, we had zero premium increases for a couple of years when it was unheard of. And so I always saw that this could be a wonderful option for employers, uh, you know, shall we say a preferred imaging network for employers to hold down cost. And, you know, that has evolved. I would, you know, up until last year, we were about 50% um, self-pay patients and about 50% contracted. This year, we've wrote the, the direct contracts have really, um, you know, overtaken the number of self-pay patients. They're still there, but 
I think we have about 591 contracted employers and cost containment uh, entities uh, that, you know, that we're helping now. So that, you know, that direct contracting model has really taken off for us. But the coolest thing about doing this is I am a direct care physician. I'm able to practice the way I want to. We read about 80% of the studies that are done performed in our network. Um, that way we're, we're seeing the images, we're seeing the reports, we're actually producing the reports, and we can assure quality across the network. If we don't read the study, we actually have peer review privileges. We're 100% radiologist owned and operated. Um, we as radiologists can get peer review access to those images and reports. And if there's ever been you know, ever a question of quality, I've had that question one time this year. Um, I went in and looked at the study and the report. The patient had moved on one of the MRI sequences. You know, I said, this is a diagnostic study. I wouldn't go, you know, if this were me, I would not go repeat the sequence, but we'll repeat that sequence at no charge for you, you know, if, if you feel better about completing that exam. And so we're able to do that in a very unique way because this is direct care. Yeah, that, it opens up a lot of doors, that's for sure. And early on there, you mentioned, uh, and my jaw basically hit the floor here when, you know, I mentioned it was about 300 to $400 million to open up an imaging center. No, no, no. Three, three to four million. Three, three to, to four. four million. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I must have no, misheard no, no. you. I'm like, oh my no, goodness. No, no, no. Three started, to four million. But I that's still more than, you know, <laughs> for, for, a, for an imaging center that's at 50% capacity, that's still a lot of money. And, yeah, you know, what I wanted to do was hold down the cost of care for these patients, not charge what everybody else was doing. Exactly. Play the same game, get the debt, and then right. uh, be beholden to, well, you know, if, if it's not growing as quickly as, as I want it to, then got to go back and play the game that, uh, that it came from there. You're in a lot of states and it's kind of proliferating through, I want to say like the Midwest and the kind of the Southwest. Are there any areas of the country where you're kind of having a problem going in and convincing a different center to let you pay for time on what is essentially a non-performing asset? I would say the Pacific Northwest is a difficult area for Now, I've just been granted about uh, 30,000, 40,000 lives there, which is going to help a whole lot in our ability to go in and get good leverage those lives to get good pricing. In the Pacific Northwest, the physicians who are fairly independent have done a great job of standing up to the traditional payers and uh, getting good, keeping good reimbursement. And so they're, they're less likely to, you know, they, they see us more as competition to that than they do as, um, you know, something that would help them. Now, that is probably changed. You know, imaging centers have been at 50 to 70% capacity for six months now. There's good news and bad news there. It's bad news as far as keeping independent centers alive and well. It's good news as far as our ability to get in there and be able to negotiate some good pricing and get patients going their way. It's bad news as far as there are many fewer cancer diagnoses this time this year than last year, which means that necessary exams are not being performed. Yeah. And, um, you know, the relative safety of these um, imaging centers is great compared to, you know, to the risk in a hospital. Um, they're doing everything they can to make it safe for patients to get cancer surveillance, get mammography, get other screening exams. And then, you know, their patients who are acutely ill who need a CT scan to rule out appendicitis. That needs to be done today in the safest place possible. And I feel like that's the independent imaging centers. Yeah, and that's interesting. So, you know, exploring that vein just a little bit, if they're at 50 to 70% capacity, does that mean that less referrals are coming in for most of those patients who I'm going to assume are coming in based off of an insurance plan? 
It does. It means patients and people are, are just not getting care at any level. There's a huge pent up demand. You know, there will be when this is all over, whatever that looks like, there's going to be a huge pent up demand for imaging. That's really important to employers. I mean, it, it's important to know as far as the economics of this, even before COVID, um, you know, patients were delaying or not having care because of economic issues. Um, what, 40% of people didn't have $400 to spend on a medical emergency. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that part of it. And then there's the employer part of that. And, you know, when I'm looking at claims data right now, about 50% of the claims from this year haven't even been settled. There have been things getting in the way of that. I think part of that, especially when I'm looking at imaging claims, is the mergers and acquisitions in this space and the private equity-backed supergroup radiology groups. I think those are having an impact that patients are getting balanced billed. Um, You know, those groups can't afford to take, you know, reference-based pricing 120% of Medicare. They've got too many mouths to feed, too many extra people's pockets to line. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I think that's part of what's going on in the space, but we're going to have a very, you know, there is this pent up demand that's not going to go away. And in fact, there are going to be more cancer workups at a further stage because of, I think, the delay in diagnoses. This is a real economic problem that is looming out there for the future. Yeah, it's going to have big impacts because it's going to ripple throughout the healthcare system, right. the healthcare industry, as I should say. I always make that mistake every once in a while. I'll say system instead of the industry. And I'm like, you know, industry is going to be no, always it's a, not more a system. Accurate, yeah. accurate word of that one. So I always, I always catch myself and kind of do a mea culpa uh, there on that one. You know, one thing I'm always curious about when we talk to people and they've had businesses such, of your, such as yours that have been in, been in business for a while, what was the impact around 2008-2009 of the ACA on your business? When the plans really started rolling out to us, uh, maybe 2012, we decided, okay, this, this is an option for patients. You know, we want to be part of this, trying to fix healthcare. And so we went in network um, with, a, with the major, uh, and, and we, it took a, we, we never got in network with United Healthcare. Um, they kept saying <laughs> they, their panels were full, even though they weren't. <laughs> and, um, but Aetna seemed to really get our model. Cigna ultimately got our model. Blue Cross Blue Shield doesn't like any um, physician, radiologist ownership. Uh, you know, they don't want any, they, they want you to bill only for the interpretation. So that, that, that didn't go well. But we were in, net, we, uh, we ended up in network with Blue Cross Blue Shield um, for a couple of facilities. And, um, you know, we really found that we were doing the traditional spending 30% of our revenue to collect 70% of what we were contracted to receive from the traditional insurers. And we, I guess about two years ago, we pulled the plug and um, we no longer take traditional insurance. Now, that doesn't mean we do not, uh, you know, we're not part of really innovative insurance plans. Um, decent, uh, you know, there, there are a number of them that are emerging that we love and we love working with. Um, but the traditional insurance companies didn't, didn't work out for us. Right, right. And I think we hear that refrain repeated over and over and over again as the ACA really encouraged that consolidation of the big health systems. And then, you know, I'm curious, what, what happened to your pricing policies compared to hospitals post-ACA? Our pricing policies? Well, we're looking at this from kind of a direct uh, model, you know, transparent prices. We're able to show these are our costs, these are our prices. You don't always get that with hospital imaging. Right. So I guess the underlying question is, are you running into hospitals in systems that don't want to play ball with you because they're able to charge 
so much more money than the independent centers are. Absolutely. I got called a bottom dweller, actually, by a hospital <laughs> system in rural Virginia because they were getting three to $7,000 for an MRI. And, you know, we wanted to pay them $600, 700 yeah. Um now they work very nicely with us. What we ultimately came to with them was, yeah, they were drawing from their geographic area. They had a monopoly in that area, but we felt like we could pull from a wider geographic range. So I think we've been budget neutral to them. I think we've been able to pull, you know, there are not that many hospital systems there. Those patients are used to driving and they're huge savings for these employers. And so I think we've pulled in enough patients from farther around into the hospital system that I think that they really appreciate us now. But that mm-hmm. was a really interesting conversation. It's the only time I've ever said in a conversation said, Hey, um, you know, I think we've got so many people on this call and I don't think this is going anywhere. I think we ought to probably just stop it. <laughs> and he said, no, no, no. <laughs> and we ended up with a great relationship. So oh, good for you. That's a testament to your patience, obviously. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think when that happens, I think the only retort back was, where in the world are you guys getting away charging so much when we know $600, $700 is a very fair price for this? How is a hospital able to charge such a higher price? It, it, it's the monopoly. I mean, that, that's the M&A by hospitals has led us to this. I mean, really, literally, we have looked at everything within a 200-mile range of there, and the independents are gone. They've bought, they've bought them all up. So even more egregious are some of the claims edits. You know, what we see when hospitals and insurance companies go in and negotiate deeper discounts, you know, when the insurance companies are negotiating deeper discounts, discounts off what? You know, it means nothing. The hospital systems say, yes, but this has to, we can't lose money off this. And so there are claims edits that happen and, you know, they let certain things through and you can really see it in the claims data. You know, I'm looking at a specific set of CPT codes when I'm looking at claims data. And so, you know, with Cigna, it was obviously the MRIs and CTs that were coded without a CPT code, but with a hospital revenue code instead. In a group of 10,000 employees or members, it was, there were 600 of these paid out up to $40,000 for these MRIs and CTs. And that's way too many for these to be inpatient. So that was just obviously a claims edit. With Aetna, it was um, the unspecified radiologic procedure codes. You know, there's one for each modality in imaging. And those were getting paid out. It wasn't as egregious as the other, but it, they were getting paid out much higher rates than the, the, what was obviously the contracted rate. Um, And then recently I had um, some claims data where CT contrast was paid out up to $24,000. So the CT scan was nicely cost contained. The CT contrast, $24,000. That is a, you know, on a high deductible healthcare plan, that is a real person who met their maximum out of pocket. And that was likely an economic disaster for that family Mm -hmm. over CT contrast. Wow. What do you say to somebody like that who are running those, those, uh, those policies or even doing the editing? You know, it's usually a, when, when I get claims data like that, it is usually a new, a pos, you know, a broker or a benefits advisor who wants to get that company's business. And so it's, <laughs> ex, it's great information for them. I mean, they go in, you know, armed with beautiful stuff. And I've got enough claims data now that I can pretty much, even if, you know, in Texas, employers have legal access to their claims data. That's not true everywhere, although it should be. Um, But I have enough claims data that even if we can't get the real, you know, that employer's data, 
I can pretty much pull a regional data set and look at who their TPA is and, and show them, you know, what the potential savings are. We even have some data sets. Um, I have a, a national laboratory company who was already doing cost containment on imaging and said, hey, will you look and see if there's more we can achieve with you? And we were able to pull it down another 41%, uh, even though they were already incentivizing the employees to go to um, outpatient imaging centers rather than the hospital. Wow. Yeah. And those are real dollars, whether they're coming from the patient or coming from the employer there. Uh, Dr. Dickinson, we're going to take one uh, minute here to hear back from some of our sponsors. And then once we return back to Healthcare Americana, uh, pick up the conversation more and let's hear a little bit more about some different options out there to help really accelerate this type of industry. And then how do we help educate people? Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. There comes a time when the man of the house must take charge. Family planning is a tough conversation for many. And at Happy Dad Vasectomy, we understand that decision isn't easy. When your family is complete, our no-needle, no-scalpel, no-stitches procedure will give you peace of mind about your family's future. Happy Dad Vasectomy conveniently books appointments within two weeks of calling and has locations in central and northern Indiana. Visit happydadvasectomy.com to learn more. Happy Dad Vasectomy, the easiest part of family planning. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Healthcare Americana. I'm Christopher Habig. I'm joined by Dr. Kristen Dickerson of Green Imaging, talking imaging in the direct care world and challenging the status quo, obviously. Dr. Dickerson, wanted to ask you, because we get a conversation every once in a while that says, you know, the best way to drive down costs on imaging is we just find a place we get the imaging done, and then we send the results overseas to be read, and we're going to save billions and billions of dollars. What's your reaction to some, a plan along those lines? I love to talk about this in the DPC arena because I think direct primary care is a model that takes away the commoditization of primary care. And what I hate to see DPC doctors doing is just talking about cost because in that setting, they're commoditizing the rest of us. And many of us are out here trying to, to change healthcare as we know it. And so, you know, when somebody posts, they've got a $27 x-ray on LinkedIn, number one, that's not sustainable pricing. I, I, I can tell you that from the cost of a digital x-ray unit. That's not sustainable, even at high volume. And I can tell you that the lowest cost MRI in my network is the imaging center that we own in Houston called Affordable MRI, and it's $250 non-contrast MRI but that's not sustainable. The cost of helium has doubled this year and we have patients canceling right and left during COVID. So we have empty slots going. So we're going to have, we're increasing our pricing. So um, it, it is really, if we want to have independent imaging centers as part of this fix on healthcare, the pricing has to be sustainable. The other part of that is it has to be, you, you have to have radiologists involved. Radiologists are really good doctors. We went into diagnostic imaging because we like solving problems and we like figuring out what's going on. And if you're not taking advantage of knowing a radiologist and using that radiologist to help you solve healthcare problems, 
you're, you've got commoditized imaging. And, you know, that, that really uh, puts your patients at a disadvantage because we can help. I can't tell you how often it happens that I, you know, it, it's, it's not that often, but it's wonderful when it happens when a doctor says, hey, um, you know, I'm really worried about this patient. This wasn't typical for this patient. Would you look back at this? And sometimes I'll say, well, you know, um, she has an ovarian cyst. It's a little, you know, high density. Maybe she's got endometriosis. And we work like that together and we solve a problem. That's the best kind of healthcare. And so, you know, I really urge people to look at this as an opportunity to pull other types of healthcare out of being commoditized. It's not gonna be exactly like DPC. We're experimenting with some capitated um, arrangements or you know, there's also the possibility of buying bundles of imaging. There are all kinds of things that can be done in this market. I'm about to, on my platform, I can actually communicate with multiple imaging centers at the same time. I'm thinking about bidding patients out to a degree. You know, what's, <laughs> you know if, do y'all, yeah. anybody have a slot open at 10? I can do this ultrasound for $120, you know? seeing if we can create some competition that way. I don't want to commoditize it either. I don't want to draw, you know, but that is a, if they can fill an empty slot and, you know, save an employer and a patient money, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. As long as we've got good boundaries there. Yeah, I hear you. Absolutely. And I'm on the same page with you. You mentioned the word quality earlier. And that's always my concern about, you know, shipping something out to the lowest cost is, if this lowest cost, you know, facility, or if it's overseas, somebody reading it, whatever it is, why are they so low? What are they doing? Is it some incredible business innovation they're doing? Or does it run a chance of missing something? And that's always the biggest fear in healthcare. And I always kind of joke that the word quality is so ambiguous to anybody in this industry, right? But in this one, you know, I feel like you could stamp quality with the accuracy and the legitimacy of these these images that get read, or if it's an X-ray, you know, how likely are we to pick out something that is that is accurate? Do you see any discrepancy in that from what you guys are able to do, what your outfit's able to do, versus what you see, you know, from any claims data or from somebody who ships that out overseas, who farms out those type of reads? Yeah, the farming out, you know, has really actually fallen out of favor to a degree because there's such a difference in training. In fact, in Panama, exams aren't even really read. The, the, the radiologist, who's really a tech, um, writes a little written, handwritten summary, and then it's actually the specialists who look at the exams and read it. So, yeah, you know, that, that's problematic. And so that, that happens all over. The other thing that's happening is these private equity groups have – have really commoditized radiologists. And these radiologists are reading on a dashboard that's timing how quickly they are reading that study. And um, that is really, and I I see radiologists, you know, like I I serve as an expert. I I love to do expert witness cases uh, for legal cases because I always learn something. I always find something that went, or it's usually two or three things that went wrong. And what I'm seeing lately is a lot of these reports from radiologists I know our good radiologists are very abbreviated and not what that radiologist would have been putting out um, before their group was acquired by one of these uh, PE-backed groups. Jeez. At what point do those colleagues of yours cry uncle and say, I'm not going to do this anymore? Well, we like to hire those radiologists. <laughs> well, it works out well for you guys. That's good. That's good. It does. It does. 
<laughs> and that's kind of a theme, you know, within Freedom Health Works. And it's like, all right, what's it take to get doctors off the bench? Like you have a great model here. You, you know, you're showing radiologists, hey, there's a different way to do things. Come on and join the team get in the game and help push back against some of this stuff. And, you know, going back to the theme of commoditization, you're right. It is something we see across the healthcare spectrum. You know, how many times do hospitals just treat anybody wearing a white coat and a stethoscope? You know, that that's the doctor. So they're all interchangeable. You know, if I'm an provider. Yeah. Yeah. Provider is the, the scary word right now. Yeah. MD Anderson Cancer Center has a um, newly diagnosed or undiagnosed breast clinic. And um, they have a nurse practitioner who runs that clinic. And while the radiologist reads the mammogram, she performs and reads the breast ultrasound. And these are patients who are coming in from breast fellowship trained breast imagers or, you know, reading studies and a patient wants a second opinion. They're going to a nurse practitioner to get the second opinion. I mean, I've been practicing mammography for 20 something years and my cases are being taken to this woman. And then she's saying, oh, that's just a cyst. And it's not. They're internal echoes on my, stud, on my images and hers. And it's not the a mammogram and the ultrasound are not being correlated. Mm-hmm. It's craziness. You know, and they're probably charging six times what I did to perform that study. That bothers me a whole lot. And I think um, Dutch Rojas talks about not, not you. If you're a doctor, don't call, ever call yourself a provider. Call yourself a doctor. I do uh, echo those sentiments and I don't know, it it amazes me a day to day, I'll say this, of how many traditional roles that, you know, we focus in primary care, but how many physicians, how many of those those historical roles physicians have just vacated? Mm -hmm. And most of it is because, like you said before, there's just no time to adequately perform this, right? Right. I mean, it's called the practice of medicine for a reason. It's always getting better. You need experience, you need uh, a higher education, you need those hours. And it builds and builds and builds. And I saw some cool numbers uh, recently that said, you know, most people in their career peak about age 40 to 50, as far as performance goes. In healthcare, physicians peak in the 50s and 60s because they've taken that entire life of learning and experience. And now they're able to put everything together and ultimately pass that on if they stay in medicine that long, which again, that's another issue affecting healthcare in general is physicians just leaving the game altogether, right? Not just leaving a bad system and coming to you and right. realizing that they love medicine again, but leaving altogether. And it goes, goes back to that commoditization. I think, it, I think that's a resounding theme of our discussion here is that when you're dealing with people and experts, you can't just trade one for the other here. There's, there's a reason why second opinions happen because that collaboration, like you were talking about before, is just oh so very important. Agreed. And hopefully we can pull some of those doctors back in as we get models like this emerging, you know, some of the experienced yeah, doctors. Absolutely. Absolutely. Last part of the uh, kind of segment here, wanted to talk about the education of the marketplace. I know you said you work with a lot of employers to let them know that, hey, there's a lot better way to do this. But talking to people in general who you know, in a scenario base, you walk into your doctor's office, you realize that they might not have all the answers for you and need to get some scans done. I'd say nine times out of 10, you're going to go to wherever they send you. And again, majority of that time is going to be within that same hospital system. How do people become advocates for themselves to 
reach out to centers like yours or places that you're doing business and realize that there is another option out there that not only is low cost, but almost guaranteed to have better service and a better atmosphere and a better experience altogether. I call that down the street mentality rather than down the hall mentality. You know, where's the most expensive place to get an MRI? It's down the hall when your doctor sends you down the hall in a hospital system. And we do everything we can to fight that. The best way to do that in an employer-funded healthcare plan is actually to make, you know, if, if everything's zero out of pocket, that's the best incentive. Even if everything isn't zero out of pocket for the employee, having breast imaging zero out of pocket because the patients end up using us 50%, you know, 40% of the patients end up using us in a lower stress health situation. They have a great experience. I don't say you enjoy a mammogram, but you have a great experience. You're taken well taken care of. You're not paying anything. And um, you're much more likely to use us in a higher stress um, healthcare situation in that setting. So we really emphasize that at least, you know, I, and, and there's a, there's also this, bad thing that's the the way that um, the mechs ended up, you know, where a screening mammogram is paid for at zero out of pocket in most um, healthcare plans and a diagnostic mammogram is not. So a woman with a lump in her breast who needs a diagnostic mammogram and a breast ultrasound is going to have to pay, you know, $500, $600 toward their deductible while the person with a screening mammogram pays zero. And um, that leads to a lot of trickery, leads to a lot of symptomatic patients coming in as screening mammograms. And you know what? Then they end up coming back for a diagnostic mammogram and um, ultrasound. And so plan design is huge. It's important for, you know, making sure that employees know how to use um, the lower cost options in their healthcare plan. It's also very important for making sure they get healthcare because if certain things are priced out of their um, you know, if they don't have the correct incentives to get taken care of properly, you're going to lead to delayed diagnoses and more cost and more time off work um, for employees. And so it's, that's a really key, I, I, it took me a while to learn how important plan design was. But I had one um, employer or, you know, who put a $375 copay in place in front of green imaging. Well, that's not a copay, that's a maximum out of pocket because most of our studies don't cost $375. Try explaining that to an employee on top of all the other uh, befuddling issues there are in a healthcare plan. Try explaining a $375 copay to them. Yikes. It's almost impossible. And we actually end up, ended up, that's the only plan we've ever terminated. But there was so much, uh, there were so many problems with the claims and with the employees. And we just, uh, we said, this isn't fair to your employees. Right, right. Yikes. Yeah, well, at least we have you out there spreading the good word and being honest about that kind of stuff, right? I do my best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last question for you. You know, I, I know, like you said, you guys have a very broad reach. What's the best way for somebody to learn more about green imaging? Greenimaging.net. We've got a blog. We have um, lots of patient testimonials, which I think are really important. Lots of content there um, for people to, you know, to educate themselves about what we can offer either as a self-pay patient or as, you know, within a healthcare plan. It's all about education, all about options, and it's all about uh, happy physicians who aren't restricted by time in order to give you the best results possible, right? That is true. And Christopher, they can also, you know, this is the, one, of, one of the fun things we've been able to do, you know, when you get to be creative in, in your work. Um, a patient can actually take a snapshot of their imaging order 
and of their benefits card if they, you know, if they have employer-sponsored health care and text it to our main number, 713-524-9190. And that starts a secure messaging, um, you know, scheduling process. And so 85% of our patients actually schedule that way. Oh, that's fantastic. I know we've had a lot of luck uh, using your services throughout our clients in, in multiple states here. So again, appreciate uh, you taking up this torch and, and being really the flag bearer um, for this imaging movement and continue to expand and uh, help us all out in the DPC world. Dr. Dixon, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. We will stay in touch and uh, we'll get some updates from you here at some point soon, but it has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. Great. And thanks for putting the good word out there about all these changes and fixing healthcare. We do our best. That's true. That's it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. Thanks for listening. Health insurance premiums are rising faster than actual medical costs. And employers everywhere are struggling to keep their heads above water and take care of their amazing team. Most people will never meet their deductible in a given year. So shouldn't there be an alternative to health insurance for people who don't really need it? At Custom Benefit Solutions, we build better benefit solutions by pairing local, direct primary care options with affordable medical cost sharing plans. This creates affordable options for America's small businesses. These companies are able to save money and provide an actual primary care doctor that'll take care of your employees and their families. Employees enjoy getting the care they deserve without struggling with confusing co-pays or deductibles. Want to learn more? Go to custombenefits.org and talk to a team member today. Custom Benefits Solutions. We solve for care. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.